We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Tell Sean Payton, keep talking that shit. we gonna see him soon. You feel me? Okay. All right. Welcome to <laughs> a a second straight post game edition of the Budding Heads podcast from Ramstock Radio. I'm Steve Rivero. Back with me is Johnny Gomez. Uh, we are here to recap right after a game just ended the 55 to 40 loss in Los Angeles to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, this was the strangest Rams game in some time. Johnny, how, how do you feel after this one? I have no words, honestly. Like, I I don't know if I'm more pissed off, if I'm disappointed. It's just, it's baffling to me what just transpired, and I'm still trying to process what I just saw. How are you doing there, Steve? Just confused. I am very, very confused after watching this game. I mean, we've kind of been building towards a loss, I'd say, given how we played last week against a a Cleveland team that I thought sucks, but apparently blew out the Ravens today. So who the fuck knows with them either? But yeah, Tampa Bay comes in. Throttles us 55 to 40. Wasn't necessarily a blowout, but uh, this is the Rams' worst loss points wise since 2017. They had two losses worse. One of them was the 49ers game where we played all our backups at the end of the season. And then last real loss was Vikings midseason that year where we got shelled. We had seven points. They had more. I think we lost by seven. I think it was seven to 24. But here we are. We're three and one. Don't forget, guys. We're three and one, We're not in first in division anymore because of the 49ers who didn't play this week and are three and zero. But yeah, <laughs> we're gonna get to this game. But 
Before we do, don't forget, guys, if you haven't entered our contest on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review. Send an email to ramstock 9045 at gmail.com with a screenshot and your name. Tell us who's entering. You'll be entered to win a $75 gift card to nflshop.com. And, of course, uh, don't forget to check out our other shows on the feed. Rams Talk Radio, Derek and Mike will be back later in the week. Rams Uncensored, Rampage Radio, and the Rams Brothers Podcast. It's a short week this week. Game's coming on Thursday, so I you can expect a lot of content coming in before then. But here we are. The Rams has lost 55-40. to 40. Uh, Johnny, I was going to – last week we started with initial reactions, but I'm just going to go right to the stats because this is just I, – I don't – it's ridiculous that these stats I'm about to read are real. We'll start with the team stats. Uh, the Rams, nine more first down than the Bucks, 36 to 27. Uh, 80, 518 total yards for the Rams, 464 for Tampa Bay. Uh, 490 passing yards for the – that's not right. Why is ESPN's stats off? What? <laughs> okay. Well, ESPN is telling me there's 490 passing yards, but that's not true. Goff threw for 517. Tampa Bay had 585 uh, from Jameis Winston. Rushing yards, 28 for the Rams, 88 for Tampa Bay. Uh, penalties, the Rams had 13 for 106 total yards. The Bucks had 12 for 99. And really the big game changer here, one turnover for Tampa Bay, four turnovers for the Rams, all from Jared Goff, three interceptions, one fumble lost. Uh, Bucks won the time of possession battle by five minutes. Individual stats, even weirder. Jared Goff went 45 for 68 with two touchdowns and three interceptions, sacked twice. Rushing, the Rams ran the ball 11 times. Gurley had five carries for 16 yards and two touchdowns. Malcolm Brown, five carries for 14 yards. And Cooper Cup, one carry for negative two yards. That was the only rushing play of the first quarter was at Cooper Cup. Receiving Robert Woods' career-high 13 receptions, 164 yards. I'd have to double-check, but that might be a career-high as well. Cooper Cup, nine receptions, 121 yards, a touchdown. Brandon Cook, six receptions, 71 yards. Todd Gurley finally making an impact in the passing game, targeted 11 times. He catches seven, grabbed 54 yards, really good game in that regard, and I thought he was pretty good in pass protection as well. Jared Everett had a nice five catches for 44 yards and touchdown. Tyler Higby, four catches, 41 yards. Josh Reynolds making a cameo here. One catch for 22 yards pretty late in the game. And defensively, Eric Weddle has 15 total tackles. John Johnson has 11. Uh, those were the leaders out there. Clay Matthews grabbed a sack. Sebastian Joseph Day grabbed a sack. Uh, Joseph Day, Clay Matthews, Fowler, and Aaron Donald all had tackles for loss. Marcus Peters, one interception. Scored a touchdown on it. That was a makeup for his uh, previous guffaw or whatever the word is, the drive before where he let up a big Mike Evans touchdown. For the Bucks, Jameis Winston, 28 for 41, 385 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. Guy picked us apart all day. Uh, Pey- Ronald Jones, 19 rushes, 70 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, in the receiving game, the big number was Chris Godwin, 12 catches for 172 yards, two touchdowns. The longest of the day for him was 30. So these were all, like, he didn't have one big play to boost these numbers. He had a monstrous 172 yards on 12 catches. Uh, Mike Evans added four for 89 yards and a touchdown. Obviously, had the big 67-yarder. Those were the two guys that really made all the impact in the passing game. Uh, Shaquille Barrett had a sack. He had a big game. He was all over the field. And Levante David and Shaquille Barrett and... Jordan Whitehead each had interceptions. So, yes, those are real stats. All that actually happened. Johnny, just what what do we even talk about first? What what's just when you look when you think about what we just saw, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Well, the thing that comes into my mind is where the hell happened to our running game? You know, I can't even ridicule Todd Gurley or Malcolm Brown because there was only 11 rushes in this game. Only one rushing attempt in the first quarter alone and it wasn't and that was it wasn't even a running back i was i was just it it baffles me and and for that reason alone i can't help but pin this on sean mcveigh because there's 
absolutely no reason why, unless you're going into like triple overtime, there's absolutely no reason why Jared Goff has over 60 attempts. That's just insane. And it, it, it all kind of starts in that first half when we're not doing anything on the ground. It's like he forgot that we have capable running backs. You know, they're there. And I guess they remembered him a little bit because, you know, Jared Goff passed to passed to Gurley a couple times. But, like, I, I'm just – it just kind of baffles me at this point why we're not running the ball when clearly the, the passing game did struggle. I mean, had its flashes where they did excellent. I mean, my God, you, you – you throw it enough, I guess you're going to have a gem here and there. But you you can't you you need to you need to balance the offense. And clearly, it was a one sided offense today. And that for me was one of the biggest reasons why we lose this football game. Am I overreacting, Steve? No, not at all. And it, it's just it's bizarre. This was Jared Goff's most attempts in a game by 15 attempts last season. He had. 53 attempts against Philly in a loss. Shocker. We lost that one too. Every game in Jared Goff's career where he's had over 50 attempts, we have lost. Uh, there's only two of them. But I, he became the third quarterback in Rams history to go over 500 yards in a game. If you're throwing the ball 68 times, you probably should go over 500 yards in a game. And look, it was – yeah, I think there's a lot of people to blame for this loss. McVay is certainly one of them uh, for not running the ball. You could say, well, the Rams still scored 40 points and 33 of them came as a result of offensive plays. Yeah, you can, but uh, three turnovers, all from Jared Goff. I think it's one of them was one of the worst throws he's made in his entire career. One of them was uh, he got hit on a pass rush, and so that would be on the offensive line more than him. And the other one was a pretty terrible play call by Sean McVay on Fourth and two, they run a little flare screen to uh, Malcolm Brown. McVay shouldn't have thrown that ball, but also or Goff shouldn't have thrown the ball, uh, but also that was a, a terrible play call. And yeah, how do you run the ball eleven times? I mean, I know you're playing from behind, but they weren't playing from behind in the first quarter really, and they weren't running the ball at all. And the worst part is, I think Gurley had a really good game. It, all the catches he had seven catches for fifty four yards. He looked good. On those catches, on his five carries, that touchdown run he had, he looked like a fucking tank. Uh, he took like five defenders into the end zone with him, and they just would not give him the ball. I The snap counts aren't out, but I, I would guess he dominated the snap count over Malcolm Brown. So this, this wasn't a Malcolm Brown problem. Uh, there was 12 total drives in the game. Gurley was the lead back on eight of them. Brown on four, including the last drive, which didn't really matter. And one of those drives, actually, first time all year, Malcolm Brown came in mid-drive for Gurley and then came out. Uh, just an interesting note, but <laughs> yeah, this is the it's this is such a weird game, man. I like I don't even know where to start or where to end or what to talk about. But you cannot be happy with the game Sean McVay called. Yeah, there were some great drives, but you walk out of a game with eleven carries for the running backs. I you just you can't be happy with that, and especially when you're paying a guy $15 million a year to run the football and he's actually playing pretty well and you're just not running him. Yeah. I, I, it, it, at this point you could almost, you could almost kind of let it pass if it was an injury concern, but obviously that wasn't the case here because even if it was an injury concern, you still have Malcolm Brown as a backup and if worse came to worse, you still have Daryl Henderson as well. And, you know, there's no way you're going to win a game when all you're going to do is pass, especially if you're not particularly effective on the passing end. So it, it just it, it baffles me completely that we, we only ran the ball 11 times. I don't know if I can recall a time where we ever ran the ball less than than 15 times in a game. No, and I'm sure it's happened before, but it was, it's just, this one was kind of inexplainable how, and the offense wasn't effective early on when they weren't running the ball. 
Uh, they didn't score till the fourth drive of the game. Obviously, Todd Gurley ran it in on that drive. Uh, from what I recall, I think that was him. But yeah, they, they ran the ball on that drive, and then he ran it in. That was the fourth drive of the game. Man, it's I something's got to give. And McVay, he took the blame for not for Gurley not getting going yet. He took the blame over. Gurley because he said he needed to get him more involved and they did in a way get him more involved in this game in the passing game which was that was great to see that was really the the one silver lining of the play calling in this game and there were some drives where you watched him and you were like this is the offense we've been waiting to see there was a couple moments in this game but I just don't understand how you walk away with from this game with 11 total carries for your running backs and only five of them go to your your workhorse who's out there for eight drives yeah, at the same time too, uh, you. I don't blame a lot of these turn turnovers on Goff. Don't get me wrong; there was that one terrible pass where I'm like, "Goff, what the hell are you thinking?" But um, a lot of these were preventable, but they, you know, there was poor blocking, and you know, you can't expect any quarterback to, you know, throw a decent pass when you have a defender that's hitting your arm it's just it's not going to happen and then uh that <laughs> i'm sure it was uh it was uh blissful for nakdomic and sue to get that fumble for a touchdown i i again it's hard to blame jared goff there when you know you don't have you don't have any protection you know that that can't happen no but there's there's a lot like you said, to blame in this game. And I, I, a lot of it, I have to give up on the defense too, is probably the worst, not even probably it is the worst game uh, of 2000. Well, I, I actually, I wouldn't even say 2019. I would say in a while, probably the worst defensive performance I've seen. Yeah. Uh, statistically, it's the most points they've given up under uh, Wade Phillips more than the, Chiefs game last year, fifty five is wild. I uh, we I do though. We got to throw real quick here to our sponsor, my bookie guys. Uh, please please give this out a listen. Uh, you're helping us, and that, look if if you want to bet on sports, it's helping you. So here's a word for me talking about my bookie. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And thirty feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the making. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Okay. So, yeah, we'll, we'll get to the defense in a little bit because, I mean, Jesus Christ, uh, it was a terrible performance. But I do. we do have more things to talk about on the offensive side out here, and you touched on a bunch of them. The offensive line, man, holy shit. They are not good. Uh, this is, I think if you are ranking what concerns you the most about this team, for me at least, and I think the three the three big things that you'd be concerned about right now are Goff, the defense, and the offensive line coming out of this game. The defense, uh, we'll get to it later, but I'm not overly concerned as a whole. Goff, there's a lot to be concerned about, but I still have faith he'll get it together. The offensive line has been fucking terrible this season. Like, really bad. And they they didn't have Blythe last week. They had, didn't have for a game and a half. So you could be like, yeah, Jameel Demby's stepping in. We all know how we feel about Jameel Demby. Uh, he looked bad in the preseason. He looked bad in the regular season. Shocking how those things correlate. And, you know, we were very happy to get Austin Blythe back. And then... You know, you can make a case the line was worse in this game than they were last week. And, yeah, Shaquille Barrett's a monster. But, like, we're going to be playing against monsters when it matters, and you got to figure out a way to deal with them. I mean, we got one of our own, and Tampa Bay was able to make it work. Uh, Donald, this was probably not his best game. Uh, you didn't really see a lot of him out there, and that's, that's credit to Tampa Bay. They They probably deserve the credit for that more than he does for – not getting it done, which is usually the case with Donald. But, like, Joe Noteboom and Brian Allen stepping in, a lot of people will be like, yeah, they got to get comfortable in the offense. It'll take some time. Yeah, and that's true, but maybe they're also just not good. It's a possibility. You know, I they've been speaking highly of Brian Allen this season. I don't see it at all. I don't think he's, he's arguably been worse than John Sullivan last year, and that's a low bar. 
Uh, Note Boom, I think, has been more impressive. I haven't noticed a ton of plays getting blown up by two Note Booms' fault. Uh, but I'm also not staring at him the whole game, you know. But he seems like one of our better linemen this season. And oddly enough, the worst guy in the line I think so far this year has been Rob Havenstein, who's was awful in this game. Uh, he was the one who really was responsible for both uh, the tipped interception early in the game and the fumble at the end of the game. He let he got blown up by Shaq Barrett on that last play, uh, which obviously got picked up by Sue for a touchdown. It's just. They got a, they had a ton of penalties. I think Havenstein had two false starts. Uh, he was kind of the ringleader for bad play today. Whitworth had two false starts in this game, and he was kind of getting his ass kicked too. This was one of the worst games I've seen from him in a while. This is a concern because there's nobody behind. There's no depth here. Our our backups are like God help us if we have to play them in a game again. But more importantly, our starters aren't good either. And it's not just Allen and no and Noteboom who are the the problems. It's everybody. Uh, like we've we knew we knew Whitworth was aging last season, but he definitely looks worse. Havenstein is unexplainably like been a kind of a joke this season. Like I think he'll be he'll be getting targeted a lot in the coming weeks by teams lining up their their elite guys to go up and let him wreak some havoc on Havenstein. I mean, I am very concerned about this offensive line, and maybe that's part of the reason we didn't run the ball because we didn't have faith we'd get the the movement up front. But we're also not really getting a lot of pass protection. They, Tampa Bay, they brought a lot of blitzes today, and I I think Gurley, he was tasked as a blocker a lot, and I think he did really well in that regard, but it, it was an unacceptable performance from the offensive line, and I don't know if it's something that'll get fixed. Yeah, the, it's for surely not going to get fixed this year. You know, the, it's, it's not possible. Personally, the offensive line, I feel like, was a concern coming in, mainly because we had a lot of unknown variables in this offensive line. But as a whole, the offensive line has been disappointing. You know, they started off relatively strong for the most part, and then they've just been on a downward spiral. It's gotten progressively worse, not better, which is never a good sign. You know, you mentioned Andrew Whitworth, his age is showing, and it's you're right. You're absolutely right. His age is showing. He's starting to do a lot of things that, uh, you know, you haven't seen him do because simply he's just not as, as quick as he used to be. So he has to do things like hold, and that, and he's getting called for it too. So, you know, in that regard, that is, that is hurting us. Rob Havenstein has just been trash. Like, honestly, I, I don't know what happened – between last year and this year, but this year he's just been probably the worst offensive lineman so far, uh, as far as the starters go anyway. I I don't understand what happened there, but he has been the worst aspect of this line. Brian Allen, I, I tend to giving him more of a benefit of the doubt than you are just because he is a, he is a newer starter. And I don't think he has been that bad either. He hasn't been as good as people are hyping him up to be. But um, I don't think he's been that terrible either. The uh, Roger, Roger, I'm, I'm sorry. I said I was going to say Roger Saffold. <laughs> yeah, I wish I, miss- I wish we could say Roger Saffold. That'd be nice. Uh, I miss you, Roger Saffold. Come back. No. Um, Joseph Nopum. He... He's been – there's been plays I've noticed where he's done really well. And I'm thinking, okay, this is – this. he might be like the, the future of this offensive line. He's doing extremely well. And then there are times like, what the hell was I talking about earlier? This guy's trash. You know, um, Joseph Noteboom has just has had that up and down kind of performance – I'm ten, I'm uh, like Brian Allen. I'm tending to give him the benefit of the doubt. You know, this is his first year starting, so you can expect you know growing pains here and there. So that's why, like, I'm I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. But for guys like Havenstein, it, you need to do a lot better. Austin Blythe, he's been Blythe basically, someone that's been pretty good when healthy, but nothing overly spectacular. 
So overall, this offensive line really needs a lot of improvement. Otherwise, it's going to be a long season. People are throwing out the idea of trading for Jalen Ramsey after what the defense did. How about we go get Trent Williams, man? He's just sitting there not doing anything. And if is that? I know we got. I know we have Havenstein locked up, but man, like if he continues to play like this, uh, I don't see us being able to overcome that and win a Super Bowl if he's going to be this bad all season. And I, I say it all the time in the podcast: your window to win a championship is small, and it closes quicker than you expect almost all the time. And at this point today, we I I cannot imagine this team winning a Super Bowl. That's not to say that we won't get there this season, but we have not looked like a Super Bowl contender over the first four games, even though we're three and one. Uh, we will be playing in January, but we got some work to do if we want to be playing in February. And uh, it starts up front. These guys, look, Goff has, yeah, he's been bad, but a big factor in why he's been bad is because he's not getting the protection he's used to, and he's having to get the ball out quick a lot of the time, and also, many of his turnovers are at the fault of the defensive, or the offensive line, and look, I'm not, like, if it continues like this, you have to make a move before the deadline, and I don't know who, like, outside of Trent Williams, I don't know who's out there, but uh, if you can go get a guy like that. You got to pay him, sure. Whatever, pay the man, man. I don't care what we got to give up. It, the window is going to close quickly on this on teams in general in the NFL. Not everybody can be the Patriots. Uh, you don't see the window. You don't. You usually can't tell when the window is going to close, and you gotta you gotta push it all in when you can. And we have we've done that for the most part, and we've traded first round picks in the past for talent. And if if, if it needs to be done, hopefully the guys we have can fix it. But if it needs to be done, it needs to be done. And I. I was a little harsh on Allen, and I think like you, you expect growing pains with from him and Noteboom, of course, and maybe they will get there by the end of the season. But you don't expect this from Whitworth and ha- Havenstein, and that's that's a concern. It's it's a huge concern. Uh, but like we can't we can't sit here and we have to go back to golf a little bit. I mean, that throw that one throw was terrible, but he did he did have some great plays in this game, but. The negatives for everyone are going to sit sit in your brain a lot more than the positives after this game. Uh, he missed Gerald Everett on what should have been a touchdown. He missed Brandon Cooks on what should have been a touchdown. Uh, he had one throw to Gurley where they called pass interference. That would have been a touchdown. He might have missed him even if there wasn't pass interference. He's missing on deep throws, which is not not what you want. And also, like the turnovers are all on, not all on him, but he also had four of them. And you have four of them. You got to take some. You got to take heat for it. And that one interception where he he stared down Gerald Everett the whole time and threw it directly to I believe it was Levante David on that play. That's unacceptable, man. And he's got to clean that up. And through four games, that contract extension does not look good. And I'm still going to sit here and say he he deserved the extension. I will go on the record and say I think he cleans up his act by the end of the season, but. Like, this was a bad game, even though he had a career high in yards. But this was not this was not the day you want to see from him. No, absolutely not. This this is gonna be a tough pill to swallow for a lot of people, and I can already see the angry tweets bench golf in favor of Blake Bortles. But they're already out there. Uh, they're horrible yeah. takes, guys. We should not bench him for fucking Blake Bortles, and we love Blake Bortles. You do not bench him. Like it's you're not gonna bench him. Yeah, that's that's not a good idea. You know, uh, whether or not you're a supporter of the Jared Goff contract or not, it's undeniable that there's a reason why Goff is the starter and Bortles isn't. The only reason Bortles should ever become a starter is if something happens to Goff, and the way the offensive line is playing, that looks like it's gonna happen sooner rather than later. So, you're right, though. There are a lot of things that Goff needs to clean up. One of those being him staring down his receivers. That's something I haven't seen Goff really do much since his rookie season. And that's that's exactly what you expect from a rookie. You know, I, I don't know if, if Goff was just shell-shocked out there or or what, or if he was just too anxious to throw this ball, but... Yeah, he he has to make better decisions 
And we saw this in, in Cleveland, you know, where he was making, you know, really poor decisions. And luckily for him, we still won the game. But in this case, his poor decisions are partially what's responsible for leading us to our first loss this season. So, yeah, Goff is absolutely one of the reasons why we lose this game and hasn't been hasn't lived up to his contract quite yet. But am I going to bench him? Am I going to cut him? No, because that would be stupid. Nah, you, you live with you live and die with him. I, I disagree on your point about uh, staring down the receivers. I think that's something that, while he's done less, has I think that's always been the biggest flaw in his game. And I think the first year under McVay, we saw that a lot. Uh, he has cleaned it up, but it's still a thing that's there. And that Gerald Everett one was textbook, that weakness and flaw in his game. And yeah, this, I, and we'll get to the defense after the next break. I think this loss is more on them than on Goff, but this, there's a lot, Goff shoulders a lot of this loss, uh, as does McBay and as does the offensive line. Uh, you know, you can't turn the ball over four times and expect to win a game. You can win if it happens, but that's going to put you in a hole. Most of the, I mean, I think they only got set up in the red zone off a turnover once, and then they obviously had the touchdown on the one late that sealed the deal. But eh, not not his best day, man. Hey, and that's that's two bad games in a row. I mean, we won in spite of Jared Goff last week against Cleveland, not because of him. And I, there's you can't really point to a game this season where Jared Goff, like, was the reason we won the game. You know, he played really well against New Orleans. Not. He played well against New Orleans. I wouldn't say really well, but through four games, he's not looking good. It's it's a tough pill to swallow. So. Yeah, definitely agree with that. But I will give him a lot of the credit for the for the New Orleans win. Yeah, that was a good game. He had a good game, and the the offensive line also looked. That was like the first game where you were like, "All right, uh, I don't know how this offensive line is going to be." It was a rough game, but. Uh, he he overcame it to his credit. He got sacked three times, but still he. I don't believe he, he had a fumble. I don't. I think I think he recovered it though, right? I don't think he had a turnover in that game. No, I don't think he had a turnover either. Yeah, and through four games, Jargoff has uh, he's fumbled every game, and he has six interceptions and six touchdowns. So it's that is not what you want to see. All right. Uh, we're going to get to the defense here, but guys, we do got to throw a shout out to our sponsor, Jim Hawk, and his book, Hollywood's Team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. We, Johnny and I love this book. It's an awesome story, and if, if you're a Rams fan and you want to learn more about the team's history with a bit of a personal touch, this is a book you're going to want to read. Uh, Jim, his dad, John Hawk, was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957, and this, story tell, this book tells his story about the 1950s Rams through his eyes, and you're going to learn about the team he played for in the era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. That's going to include guys like Norm Van Brocklin, Crazy Leg Search, Tom Fears, and Les Richter. In this story that spans the 1950s Los Angeles Rams and the, ni- the 1950s in L.A. as a whole. The nifty 50s, as they call them. You can find Hogsbook online at HollywoodsTeam.com and on Twitter at HollywoodsTeam. It's available in both hardback and electronic form at Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. And paperback. Paperback is out now if you've been waiting for that. Go ahead and grab it. You can also find Hollywood Team through various other booksellers on the internet. Johnny and I both read this book. We both love it. It's seriously worth every penny for any Rams fan out there. But it's also just a really great and heartfelt story. Uh, as a, a love letter to his, his, a man's dad from the sun in a way. And it's, it's, it's a great read and it's an awesome book. Hollywood's Team, Great Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. Well worth your time. All right. Johnny, a lot of people are going to disagree with my take here, but I think that the the defense should bear the most responsibility for this loss, and that's usually not true with the Rams. And uh, so, I like I'm not concerned. Long, I don't think I'm concerned long term, but we got absolutely shelled by the by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, we got destroyed. We got what worked. Uh, Chris Godwin, who was on the injury report all week. Like was he was banged up? I doubt he was at 100. percent He catches the ball 12 times for 173, two yards and two touchdowns. Absolutely eviscerates us. They did clean that up a little in the second half, but uh, he was getting anything he wanted to in the first half. Man, and uh, the secondary was bad. Marcus Peters got blown up on that 
on that late play. He did make up for it with the pick six, but uh, you, you can't be giving that up. But either way, like – I think I'd be happier if we gave up more of those Marcus Peters plays because then you're like, you point to those couple of plays, you say, well, if we stop the big plays, we win the game. But uh, that was really the only big play of the game uh, was that play. That was the only play that was longer than 30 yards for the Buccaneers in this game. And uh, that, that kind of concerns me that uh, – they have a lot of talent. Like their receiving core is talented. Evans and Godwin are both studs, but like Ronald Jones is running all over us. Jameis Winston is throwing all over us. Like those are guys who historically have not been very good. And uh, our defense got worked in this game. Every angle. I mean, the pass rush was not how, how you'd hope. And they've had a good season in the pass rush. I think they they don't get as much of the run of this blame as the secondary does. I think, but uh, everybody on the defense played bad. I mean, there's not really a guy I could sit here and point to and say, yeah, that was one of the MVPs of this game. I mean, the safeties had 15 tackles, but uh, if the safeties are missing, making, if John Johnson and Eric Weddle are combining for 15 tackles, that means a lot of stuff is getting past the other seven guys up front. And that's not what you want to see. Yeah. The, uh, I, I won't be one of those people that don't, that that disagree with you about the uh, the defense being probably the main responsibility of this loss because it's absolutely true, you know, and, and it's weird saying that because you know the the defense in general has been one of the most reliable aspect of the Rams' game for a long time, you know, despite them having their struggles at linebacker, etc. They've always been a relatively solid unit. This game was not one of them. In fact, it's probably been one of the most horrible games from the defense in a long time. So, particularly what surprised me is the just awful play from from all forms of coverage. You know, I, I don't understand how Jameis Winston just seemed like one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now. He's not. He really isn't. And for that matter, Chris Goodwin, I think he is a decent wide receiver, but he looked like the best wide receiver in the league. You know, this guy looks like a pro bowler out there, and he's not. You know, Mike Evans, you you could make an argument for Mike Evans because he is a damn good wide receiver and probably one of the best in the league. But there's absolutely no reason why you make Goodwin or Godwin look like a look like a stud. I mean, like I said, he's a great player, but I wouldn't put him in like the same class as like Mike Evans. And I certainly don't think Jameis Winston is that talented. So it, it's just a hard pill to swallow because you have these extremely talented guys like Akeem Talib and Marcus Peters, and they looked awful and this is rare especially for keep Talib. Talib just played very unlike himself he played very soft coverage and that's not something I'm used to this is a guy that's practically like a mitt out there you know he he's constantly hounding you know wide receivers to the point where like they don't even pass it his way most of the time and in this case, he's just being outplayed. And it's it wasn't just Talib either. I feel like the entire the entire defensive backs were playing extremely soft. And I don't understand why. Especially considering when you look at what what the Bucks offense was actually doing here, they weren't doing anything special. In fact, a lot of their targets were at the middle. You know, the yeah. middle of the field was just open and th- that they did that over and over. And instead of, you know, playing tired, tighter coverage, it was the same thing. Every uh, offensive possession of the Bucks, you know, uh, they weren't doing anything solid. They just, you know, did a, a quick slant into the uh, into the interior of the field. And that was it. You know, they didn't need to do anything else. It was working, and the Rams weren't doing anything until, I would say, later 
and even then it wasn't that great either. It, it just, I don't understand what happened here, but Wade Phillips needs to really look at the tape and make some adjustments because this this was terrible. There was There was not a single defensive back that played well in coverage. The safeties did okay in terms of cleaning up the tackles, but that's not what you want out of Eric Weddle. That's not what you want out of John Johnson. Yeah, Weddle was getting smoked in pass coverage all day. Uh, just days removed from his Twitter bout with Antonio Brown. Uh, he is out there getting cooked like an Irishman in a Los Angeles beach on a 110-degree day. Uh, I mean, yeah, this they were destroying us over the middle all game. Uh, you... Uh, you're underrating Godwin a little bit. Like you said, he's not a pro bowler. He could very well be a pro bowler. The guy's not 2007 Randy Moss. Okay, like you, he should not be go. He should not be destroying us at every angle like he did. Yeah, every every single player in the secondary played terrible in pass coverage. Roby Coleman, Talib, Peters, Weddle, Johnson—they're all bad. Uh, whatever the game plan was, I don't know what it was. It didn't work, and I hope we never see it again because that was just atrocious. And like of all people. Jameis Winston is a guy who's like, he's not that good. Uh, He should not be doing this to you. This is not, the formula for a Jameis Winston victory is not scoring 55 points. It's never been and it never will be, which is just another thing that makes this game so bizarre. You look at the drives for Tampa Bay. I'm just going to go in order. I'm going to read all off. Eight plays, 60 yards, touchdown. 12 plays, 45 yards, punt. Not terrible, but still 45 yards. Seven plays, 50 yards, touchdown. Uh, we threw the interception. They got the ball at the one. One play, nine-yard touchdown. Three and out, finally. Three plays, negative two yards punt. That's late in the second quarter. 11 plays, 75 yards, touchdown. Ten plays, and then second half starts here. So this is every drive that in the second half. Ten plays, 35 yards, touchdown. Six plays, 53 yards, touchdown. Two plays, 72 yards, touchdown. Uh, three plays, then that was the pick six. Next drive, they get it back, defense. They make the play to claw themselves back in the game. Then the Bucks go on an 11-play, 72-yard drive that burns six minutes off the clock, and you could blame the touchdown at the end of the game. That was really the drive that kind of sealed the deal here for the Rams. It was just not good. Uh, I don't know if the, I don't really feel like there's long-term concerns here because all these players are good. Uh, it's like I don't I don't know if I could ever see this happening again to the secondary, but. We're going to play better passing attacks than the Buccaneers. We're going to play better running attacks than the Buccaneers. And the run defense wasn't awful, but it wasn't good, per se. I mean, Ronald Jones, he got he lucked out on a lot of – we lucked out on a lot of plays that were getting called back for penalties. Uh, Jones had two big runs that got called back. So this, this was bad. This was a, a horrible, atrocious performance by the defense. And the offense, yeah, they didn't they didn't do him any favors a lot of the time. But uh, you take away the two, the two touchdowns that were direct results of the offense turning the ball over. You still gave up forty-one points to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and that's not ideal. And you, you still you still lose in that case, uh, Johnny. We're going to move on to our studs and duds here and kind of wrap it up. But before we do, uh, we're going to give a quick shout out to our friends from the Big Heads Podcast Network. And I mean, this could not be a more fitting partner for this game. The That Anger Management Crap Podcast. Here it is. Take a deep breath in. Now count to ten. There. Don't you feel better already? No. Why not? Oh, that's because that's anger management crap. Join me and learn real ways to overcome your anger. I share my own struggles and journey to break free of destructive anger. I will give you ideas and insight that will bring you to a place of healthy anger. Yes, there is such a thing. Learn how on that anger management crap with Matthew Plotner. All right, studs and duds here. I think the two biggest studs of the game for the Rams got to be Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. Uh, they had fantastic games. Uh, there was a lot of – Goff hit them on a ton of great throws, but all, at the same time, they were both making a lot happen with their legs. Uh, Cup's touchdown was a very nice play by him. Uh, Robert Woods, he had that big 37-yard game where he – was able to keep himself inbound somehow on the sidelines. He was almost tumbling out of it. Uh, those two dudes, uh, this is one of the best receiving cores in the, the league. Cooks added 71 yards as well. 
But those two guys, they were balling out. They had a, some incredible days. And uh, 164 yards for Robert Woods. That's probably a career high. I will confirm this while we go. But those two, I think those are at the top of my studs list. And then uh, I'll give a shout-out to Todd Gurley. I, I love what we saw from him in the passing game. Uh, he, he had some really nice runs there. Seven catches, 54 yards. Uh, plotted his way, found two touchdowns. They were both great, great runs by him. Obviously only touched the ball five times in the running game, so it could be better, but I think he saved a lot of sacks on those blitzes. He was doing a great job picking up blitzes in the uh, in in the passing game. So I, I thought it was a great performance from him overall. And, yeah, those are my three guys. Uh, you got anything to say on those, sir? You got anyone to add for studs? Uh, my studs are the Los Angeles Dodgers. You know, they got their 106th <laughs> win today, so... Yeah, they they showed L.A. proud today. Nah, nah, just joking aside. Well, kind of anyway. I'm proud of the Dodgers. But um, pretty much, yeah, those are probably the three, probably the only three guys, honest. Well, okay, I'll, I'll put in one more guy. Uh, Greg the Leg, you know, for being yep. that clutch picker. You know, that 58-yard field goal was very clutch. Loved it. I'm sad that it didn't really count for much but got to give props to greg delay got to give props to uh todd Gurley for the the minimal action he's seen he made his presence felt and it's a shame that we underutilized him but that's how it goes i guess but cooper cup my god this guy has shown how much of a blessing he is on this team and he's just that safety blanket that Jared Goff loves so much, and I, I can't I can't tell you how how happy I am to see this guy progress because the way he's playing, this guy may be a Pro Bowler this year if he stays healthy and he continues to produce. I I don't see how you can argue against him. He's this is probably the second or third game that he's over a hundred yards receiving. Yeah. I think it's his third, right? Uh, I will confirm that for you right now. But, yeah, he's he's definitely well on track to a Pro Bowl. Uh, Robert Woods, not a career high, actually. He had 171 yards against the Texans in 2017. But this was the third time in his career he went over uh, over 160 yards. Uh, he did it once in Buffalo, which is pretty crazy, too. Cooper Cup, let's see. This is a post-game pod. So give us a break. Yeah, third straight, third straight hundred yard game for him, uh, and I believe no two out of those three games he had 120 yards. So I wasn't used. Goff got to him early and often in week one, but after that, it kind of fizzled out. But hell of a game from him, and I, we are lucky to have him. And I think Goff Goff has has needed him. So. Uh, yeah, <laughs> let's get into the duds, Johnny. Uh, Rob Havenstein, we touched him a lot, man. This was this was the worst game I think I've ever seen him play. Uh, this was this was fucking brutal. It was tough to watch at times. He was getting his ass handed to him, and I hope this is a motivational game for him because he's been a good tackle for the Rams in the past. Uh, he was he was terrible. Uh, Andrew Whitworth, too many too many penalties for a guy that is this deep into his career you can live with him getting beat at times because he is aging but multiple penalties for for Whitworth for a guy like that it's it's kind of unacceptable I'm I'm gonna throw Jared Goff in the duds even though he did make some big plays you can't have four turnovers and not make duds and I think he's he gets a lot of blame for half of those turnovers and uh you know fumbles are tough but quarterbacks can like you got to be a little alert on fumbles. Uh, even though I, I wouldn't put most of the blame for that fumble on him, he gets a little bit. And then I, the whole defense. You know, like when they used to do the the Madden truck where they put the MVP. And I think after the Bucks won the Super Bowl, they just put the entire Tampa Bay defense on the truck uh, for the MVP. And I think it was Dexter Jackson uh, who ultimately ended up winning it. We're going to take our porter potty and we're going to put pictures of the entire Rams defense on it for a truly shitty performance. 
55 points to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I know 41 of them were their fault. So still 41 points to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That is enough to get you get you the doo-doo award for the, the doubt of the day. Uh, they're all taking blame here. Nobody nobody deserves credit for a positive game because no aspect of this defense really played well. Some guys play better than others, but uh, this is a team that scored a total of 31 points through the first two weeks of the season and then was able to score 31 on the Giants' atrocious pass defense. And we looked worse than the Giants somehow. So kudos to them. They need to clean up their act for next weekend. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to make this real easy. You kind of already took my idea. Thank you for that, by the way. <laughs> hey, let it out. <laughs> they deserve the hate because hopefully next week we'll be praising them. Yeah, here's hoping. Uh, but yeah, the duds defensively goes to the entire defense because, my God, they're it, it just it still amazes me right now thinking in retrospect of what actually transpired but the the defense in general just played like shit there's just no if ands or buts about it and i think they realize it and i think you know amongst the team leaders on this team and uh wade phillips i think there will you know they will adjust and hopefully not see another performance like this ever but um yeah the the duds definitely deserves to go to the defense as for the offensive side the entire offensive line because the i i i can't really say that there was anyone on the offensive line that played extremely well because i'd be lying every single member of the offensive line really screwed up in this game one way or another so I'm giving it to the entire offensive line and the entire defense. Yeah, this eh. <laughs> what a well-deserved uh, award for those guys. I'm trying to see here before we wrap up if there's any news on uh, Marcus Peters or Taylor Rapp, and I don't think there is. Rapp, Rapp obviously left the game. He didn't come back. Peters left late. He got wrecked on that. Uh, on his pick six, probably should have been a penalty. Wasn't, but uh, as I've always said, we are not going to be the pink the fan base that deserves about not getting calls. Uh, so I'm not going to complain about not getting that call. Uh, this was <laughs> what a fucking weird game, man. Uh, <laughs> what what a bizarre game. And I think we kind of had a similar game against the Saints last year where we got shelled in the first half and the Rams really did a good job of getting themselves back into that game and giving themselves a chance to win. And they didn't win, but you felt okay about it because you were playing the Saints on the road who are a really damn good football team. They were last year. I think they still are. But this is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I don't feel that way about them. And I don't give the team as much credit for getting back into this game because they should have never been down 21 to nothing to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So... Here we are. And, Johnny, the good news is, you know, you take a loss early in the season. You deal with some adversity. They're still 3-1, and one, still on track to make the playoffs. And, look, they, they got a nice long week to figure it out and get their shit together before next week. Oh, wait. They don't. We play on Thursday. God help us. Uh, Steve, I, I think uh, I think you might have depressed me even more somehow. I didn't think that was possible. <laughs> But you, you managed to find a way to depress me because, yeah, I'm not not so confident after hearing that. But I do I do want to make one more comment before we depart. And that's I feel like with the Marcus Peters, you know, no call on, on uh, him. I think I'm going to make a rant on Twitter about the referees. <laughs> I'm going to talk about it for an entire offseason. Uh, I'm going to say that's the reason why we lost. And I'm also going to, you know, wear, wear a referee jersey and just burn it because that's how bad I think the referees are. And, yeah, I, I'm also going to blame the referees for, you know, the ozone, the ozone layer, you know, just completely depleting. I'm also going to blame <laughs> them for why I don't have enough money in my bank. So, yeah, that, it's all because of the ref's fault. 
Well, the good news is we lost to a team in the Saints division, so uh, there's always that on the bright side. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously, like we're going to be plenty of podcasts. We're not going to preview the Seahawks game, but uh, gun to your head, you think we win at Seattle on Thursday? If we play like this, no, but if they play like the team that I know they can be, absolutely. I don't see a, a reason why they couldn't. Yeah, yeah, I think I think they still win, but uh, it's, mm. yeah, I just you look at the Se- the Seahawks and what they've done this year. They've squeaked out wins against the Bengals, Steelers, lost to the Teddy Bridgewater Saints, and then beat the Cardinals today. Uh, so like, nice, nice win against the Cardinals, boys. Well, well done. But like, I can't even say that because we just lost to the fucking Buccaneers. So I, I don't know what to think. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, we'll cross that bridge when we get there, I guess. But uh, any parting thoughts, Steve? Just uh, it's going to be an intense three weeks of practice. Got to run the ball more next week. Uh, another road game for Jared Goff. Uh, at least we can kill the, the Jared Goff isn't good on the road thing now because we can just start with the Jared Goff isn't good narrative. You know, that's even better, right? Uh, oh, gee. Look, I, I still believe. I think you do, too. Uh, and... Yeah, that was – but, man, he's got to have a good game at some point. Like, at least we find – like, in a weird way, this was kind of the game that Todd Gurley needed because he scored on two of his five carries. So now the narrative goes from Todd Gurley is injured to give Todd Gurley the fucking football more. What are you doing? Uh, which is a narrative I'm I'm more comfortable with. So that's a good thing. I guess that that's my positive here. Uh, and also – we kind of talk like the sky is falling in this podcast. And yeah, we should be concerned. But at the same time, like we're still 3-1. and one. I'd still be stunned if this team isn't playing in January. But like I said, we have some things we need to fix before we play, before we think we're going to play in February. Uh, sound good to you? You got any parting thoughts? Just uh, play better. All righty. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Steve Ribeiro. Follow Johnny5, not Johnny... What is it, Johnny Five Not Six? Yes. <laughs> and follow Rams Talk at Talk Rams. A lot of podcasts coming to you in the next couple of days leading up to this Thursday night football game. So stay tuned to the feed for those. Uh, we'll be back with you guys next week. I don't think we're doing the post game again, but we'll see. But for Johnny, this is Steve. Tell Sean Payton, keep talking that. We're going to see him soon. You feel me? control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.